Hi, BTB buddies. It's me, Scott. You're about to listen to my interview with Mike Bova and Big Earn from the Big and Tall Comedy Tour. Unfortunately, I've been experimenting with some live streaming, and the sound quality can be terrible with any bandwidth issues. This one was really a doozy. I have several hours into getting it edited and listenable. The quality is not what I want you to hear, but the content from Mike and Earn is worth the listen. Please bear with me for the next few episodes, and I will make future episodes where the quality of the audio matches the quality of the guests. And thanks always for listening to the Behind the Bits podcast. Welcome to the Behind the Bits podcast. Your host, Scott Curtis, wants to learn everything he can about stand-up comedy and take you along for the ride. Scott and his guests talk serious about comedy in every episode. Behind the Bits will uncover knowledge from different perspectives on subjects such as writing and performing stand-up comedy, as well as booking shows and the comedy life. If you're thinking about becoming a stand-up comic, already in the comic game, or a comedy nerd, Behind the Bits is the show for you. Now, let's get Behind the Bits. Hi there, BTB buddies. It's Scott, your host. I hope you're enjoying the Behind the Bits podcast because I sure enjoy putting it out there. As a podcast addict, I'm always looking for new podcasts to listen to different perspectives on comedy. I always like to find those independent podcasts that aren't hosted by the big name celebrities. You know, the ones where the host is actually doing it for the passion of their subject. I found a good one in Stand Up Reviews. That's the name of the podcast, Stand Up Reviews. Ben Guest is the host, and the podcast consists of him reviewing stand-up comedy specials. He's reviewed specials by Kevin Hart. Ricky Gervais and Dave Chappelle, just to name a few. I really like to hear Ben's point of view on stand-up reviews. I don't necessarily love all the specials that he reviews, but it's great to hear another opinion. Another great plus for this podcast is that it's not very long. You can listen to it on a quick car ride. All the episodes are about 15 minutes long, and they get right to the subject at hand. I listen to stand-up reviews on Spotify, but it's available on all the apps. Give it a listen and tell me what you think. Hi, Mike. How's it going? Welcome welcome to the Behind the Bits podcast, the most professional podcast in the world. (laughs) Obviously. I'm I'm, I'm shooting from my camera in London, New York, so yeah, we've arrived. I never wanted to do video because Mm -hmm. look at my face, but everybody's doing it, so I I just went in headlong, so now I do video and doing the talk show on Thursdays and stuff like that. So, you know, whatever, I'll just, I'll, I'll go ahead and put myself out there a little bit. Well, you know what, too, with this COVID-19 thing, you know, and the barbershops being closed, it's like, man, I need a haircut badly. Yeah. My wife tried to like, you know, take the, take these, you know, what do you call it? Like the at home razor, you know, the, uh, the, yeah. the, the cutters or whatever. And she tried to like cut my hair a little bit, but we only had like, uh, I, I want to say it was like, there's numbers, right? Like a three, yeah. And X number of inches, whatever. And so once you hit a certain point, you can't cut it any shorter. And so yeah. I go, do you have any more of the the blades? And she's like, or the you know things. And she's like, no, I lost them. I'm like, yeah, I guess we're gonna have to go with the Amish look. So. <laughs> yeah, I've I've got shears, and I just every couple of weeks I've been going at it. I don't think it looks great, but I it, mine was getting mine was getting like yours except for I'm bald on top and it was almost looking like a comb over right. so I it had to go. <laughs> yeah. This is uh you know I, I didn't want a mullet 
you know, I ha- I had one of those, I think back in the eighties, whatever, it was more like, you know, Billy Ray Cyrus type of thing. But, you know, I had, I was an eighties rocker. So I had, I had long hair. I had it like loosely perm, like Eddie Van Halen or whatever, but you know, it's going to be like that again. If I don't get to a barber shop. Yeah, no doubt. <laughs> so while we're waiting on Earn, uh, we might as well get uh, started. I, normally when I talk to comics, I like to find out first of all, when you started comedy and I've been kind of looking at your history. It looks like you maybe started after already establishing yourself in business. Is that right? Well, what, what happened was, is I was doing a podcast. I was doing the Funny Business Radio show, which I recently kicked back up again after a long hiatus because I was on the road. But I was doing the Funny Business Radio show where I was interviewing comedians and celebrities. I had like Dave Coulier from Full House on my show, mm. Ed Asner from the Mary Tyler Moore show, which we did a couple of shows about autism aware. And then uh, producing a show up in Watertown. This, this guy was producing a show up in Watertown, and he said, and I said, hey, cool, man, that's my hometown. He said, do you want to perform? And I said, yeah. Now I had never done comedy and I never told the guy I had never done comedy. So uh, how it ended up was is co-headlined a show with Booty McCarthy. He was a semifinalist on last comic standing. Mm-hmm. And my first set was 45 minutes. Wow. So I'm like, I'm either going to sink or I'm going to swim. And uh-huh. I, I tried water. That's, Holy that's how I got into it. It's been about eight years now. You know, it's funny. Almost everybody I talk to that, has any kind of comedy success has been thrown into something that they weren't ready for and got through it. And it just seems like a common Mm -hmm. theme. So, yeah, you know, people ask me all the time, like, you know, how do I break into comedy? I said, write five minutes worth of funny stuff, open mic. Okay. Don't Mm -hmm. do what I don't, that that was not a conventional way to break into comedy was doing a 45 minute set. That was people like, how did you do that? Well, I, I had some stuff that I already thought about, like my why America, quote unquote, runs on, you know, in my, my philosophy was always there's a secret ingredient in their coffee, crack cocaine. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so and not a lot because it would cost it would cost you $80 for a cup of coffee, right? Just enough to keep you coming back. A little bit of this. It's a little bit. of that, And here's your cup. Crack, 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 crack. Yeah. It's the Duncan dance. But <laughs> uh, I wrote a song about it called Duncan, which, uh, you know, I do, I do musical parodies like that. So I had. I already had stuff in my arsenal in, in my thought process about, you know, Tic Tacs or the magical breath mint, you know, one Tic Tac can temporarily mask your close friends, chronic halitosis, right? Super cattle have a Tic Tac mask your halitosis. And so <laughs> I had, this one's, this one's stuff I've been, bits I've been doing for years, man, that, uh, you know, new stuff in there, some of the stuff in my original set, I still do. Going back, what gave you the idea to do the, the podcast, Mike? Did I lose Mike? Mike, he's talking to you. Yeah. Oh, we lost him. (laughs) So, so while Mike's gone, at least we can talk. So, I think I'm here. (laughs) He'll get back in. I think maybe he he said he was on McDonald's Wi-Fi. Sometimes that gets kind of funky. So before I talk about how you guys met and got together, what started you into comedy, Ern? I told you I was bullied into comedy by Joe Face Becker. um, I wasn't really prepared, and he put the spotlight on me and told the people, you know, put their hands together, you know, give me a few minutes. I did six minutes of Facebook and um, lying, cheating women, and I enjoyed the applause, and people encouraged me 
to do comedy. So I started attending a writing workshop and I started writing stuff and I, I just enjoyed it. And I'm a people person. So it was natural. You know, it just it was just a great feeling. Mm -hmm. I only stumbled on stage once and I've never looked back from there. You know, it's, it's, it's awesome, man. You know what I mean? I just like comedy. Comedy's great. How long ago was that, that you, you got uh, shamed into doing, doing your first bit? Nearly eight years ago now. Eight years. Okay. Now, what were you doing before that? Um, I kept my day job. I was, I did bookkeeping and stuff. I did payrolls for local companies and things of that nature. And then I, I did appointments and things of that nature during tax season for a small accounting service. My wife at the time owned and stuff. So I sat there and I worked with her and I did that. So I, I did have a regular job aside mm -hmm. from comedy. So as far as the writing workshops concerned, when you, when you went into that, was that a workshop with a bunch of people local that were aspiring comics and somebody yes. was running it or so what did, what did you learn from the writing workshop? I'm, I'm interested to hear what you learned from that. You know, what I learned is that most of the stories are really are within you. You just have to find the funny aspects of them and place them out there. For instance, mm. true story. I'm walking out of, it may have been a McDonald's or something, and this white woman is walking in, and she looks me dead in my face and goes, oh, I forgot to lock my car. <laughs> like, fuck. I'm so glad I was able to remind you. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> but it's just like how awkward it was that she stared me in my face as she said it. Like, I reminded her. You know what I mean? Like, oh, great, you know? Oh, we have to lock my car. You know, so it's just a, a lot of experiences. And then um, whatever you can find that's exaggerated mm -hmm. and you can find it funny, if you can laugh at it, Scott, others will laugh at it. Yeah. And, and I mean, within reason, because dude, there's insane laugh. You know, there's most people laughing at themselves, but it is crazy. Yeah. <laughs> well, and, and there's also those things that were absolutely terrible at the time that you thought were maybe going to kill you. And after time, they become funny. Yeah. You know? <laughs> so when we talked last, you mentioned that you were a New York comedian by the way of Arkansas. How long have you been in New York? I'm a New York comedian by way of Binghamton. I was making a point last time. Um, you must have got it confused. I was okay. making a point that you always get these, they always like to use credit. Oh, this is a New York City comic. Hey, <laughs> they failed to realize that it's New York City by way of Arkansas. Okay. Understand? You know what I mean? Like, he just moved there a few months ago, and all of a sudden, he's a New York City comic. No, <laughs> he was a rancher yeah. four months ago. A ranch <laughs> hand and shit, you know? Yeah. So, so after your, after this writing workshop and you start performing from there, when did you get your, you know, you know, your first real gig? I got my first real gig from the beginning. My first job was, uh, on uh, my first gig was, was my first uh, ever on stage was a real gig. Like, oh, wow. I got, I got gigs before I actually hit an open mic. You know what I mean? Like I said, I was lucky that, um, I was a natural. It all, I mean, it was just so simple. I never realized that your life experiences can be funny. It just depends on how you deliver them. Delivery mm. is important, I learned, Scott. And, and every aspect of this comedy situation, delivery is very important. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? You know, so, <clears throat> so you know, you sit there and, and, and you know, some jokes could be, um, 
not you know, it could be the just simplest of jokes and if you deliver it poorly it's gonna just be a poor joke yeah you know you could take a, a age-old joke and, and repeat it today that's over 100 years old but if you deliver it right it's gonna fucking hit great yeah it's about delivery you know you know it's it's funny i i'm in a lot of groups and they talk about comedy and they say that people aren't naturals at comedy but you learn it and the funny thing is is i've been you know when i knew i was going to have you guys on whatever i i facebook trolled you and look look for youtube videos and stuff like that i mean you just seem to just have a natural presence where you're almost storytelling up there and just uh, saying okay this is my life uh, what do you think and i i enjoy that and that's the type of comedy i like the best you know, there's only yeah. so many times you can um you can exaggerate a joke. You know what I mean? Um, taking your life experiences and stretching them, fine. You know, there's only so many times you can do a joke about you know telling a woman to get in the kitchen and clean this, and you know what I mean? There's so so many chauvinistic jokes and shit like that. It, it, it's unoriginal, you know, and that's the problem with people being unoriginal. You know, like when we talk about clean comedy, you know, people want to insult people like Jim Gaffigan and stuff like that. Gaffigan's a natural comedians when I, I i love when comedians have a forum and they want to talk about um disliking adam sandler his movies and then they want to talk about and they want to tear down every one of his movies how bad could his movies be if all you motherfuckers seen every one of them yeah you know what i mean and now you're criticizing them you know what i mean like how stupid do you look you've seen every one of his movies and you want to tear them down uh, <laughs> You know? However you make it, you make it. As long as long as you're not stepping on people, then uh, if, if you make if you make it clean, no matter what kind of comedy, there there's somebody who's going to like it. And if you get enough of those somebodies, then you'll do well as a comic. But you, you gotta you gotta find that group of people that that are into it, and then get yourself out there, and then then you become a draw, and it just goes on from there. Absolutely, man. Absolutely. So it looks like Mike him. got on, but he's a little bit frozen. Uh, that's okay, though. He thinks he's pretty. That's his That's his move. He wants you to look at him. He's diva-esque. <laughs> <laughs> Them damn fucking devices and shit. But yeah, he, he's, um, he, he's got some new um, technology in the works and stuff. He won't have these issues from now on and stuff after today and shit. So I encourage them to get some new technology because I told them you're only as fast as your slowest device. Uh, Yeah. Technology, you know. (laughs) (laughs) I, um, he's trying. He's trying. Are you back? Are you back, Mike? (laughs) We can hear you now. Looks like he might be driving, so I don't know if I want to distract him. Yeah. I'm not trying to distract him. Hey, hey, hey listen, if he, if, if he had terrible service sitting at McDonald's, ain't going to be no better rolling away from the motherfucker. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I can tell you. <laughs> so think, thinking about when you when you started doing gigs, did you did you do them mostly around town or did you did you start uh, traveling right away? I did them all around town locally and stuff um because I didn't know uh, about the aspect of how to get booked out of town and stuff like that. So what happened was um, I started doing open mics in different cities. Just We started going to Ithaca and you know, Albany and Buffalo to do open mics and stuff like that. And so mm-hmm. then on top of that, 
I started getting in competitions, you know, like in okay. Syracuse and Utica and stuff. And, and you know, and you start to get yourself known like that in my in my book because of the fact that I went to those cities and I don't know people in those cities, and those are all popularity contests. So if you come in the top three, that means you beat out seven other people from that city who actually bought people to support them. Yeah, yeah. And so I, I like that aspect. It, it's I, I feel you get recognized better on that scale because mm. you're not from there. So you're showing them what you're about. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that's yeah. what I'm about, showing you what I'm all about. It's funny. I did a uh, comedy competition like you just right before lockdown. I think it was the either the latter part of February or first part of March I did it. And it's exactly what you said. I went to Grand Rapids, which is a couple hours from me. And uh, everybody brought, brought their friends. I didn't even place in in the group that I was in, but a lot of people came up to me and said, "Hey, you're good. You need you need to keep it up." And you know, thing, things have happened since then. And you know, I wasn't I wasn't the crowd favorite, but everybody who came for somebody else came up and said said that my set was really good. So that that was enough justification for me to keep going. Right. Yeah. You know, like Mike, you know, like Mike, Mike, the very first time he was on stage, you know, he sat there and he knocked it out for as long as he did. You know, some people are natural and some people just aren't, Scott. Yeah. You know what I mean? You get some people, you know, um, we, we, we've we been traveling and we'll have people open for us and stuff. Oh, this guy's been doing comedy 20 years. Really? Whoa. I couldn't tell you. <laughs> you, know, like, like, you know, and I don't mean to be a dick. When I say something like that, you know, I just expected better stage presence like you say um mm. you know what i mean like you know we, we we did a we did a show and the guy was hosting it and he didn't even realize the microphone wasn't on people yelling at him and he thinks they're yelling at him because <laughs> he can't hear you <laughs> do you, you know yeah. the microphone's not on bro you know, I mean? <laughs> <laughs> you know so yeah you know life is funny in every aspect of comedy i uh people think i'm very arrogant which at the end of the day i, re- I am because I'm very confident in my skill set. I don't feel that I need to uh I don't need to explain to people how good I am. I just feel that anything you do will will result in that. For instance, we our, our tour was picking up such steam and momentum before the stinking COVID. I mm. mean, we were picking ass. You know what I mean? And it was just getting stronger. You know what I mean? Who doesn't want to get behind two guys? who are touring the country, not only telling jokes and making you laugh, but we're also doing it to raise money for our nation's veterans. Mm. You understand what I'm saying? You right. Know, you know what I mean? It isn't about us. You know what I'm saying? At the end of the day, if I didn't do comedy, you know, another day in my life, um, I'm going to live my life and I'm going to be okay. Yeah. I want to look out for those who aren't okay. Mm. You know what I mean? It's yeah. sad that these guys, they strap up this equipment, you know, you sign up, you get shipped to a country where their goal is to kill you at every turn because they don't fucking want you on their soil. Mm. And you got to live with that fucking fear every day. Then you finally get back here after being stuck out there 18 months, 22, depends on who you are, depends on what your action is. And you get back here, you can't get the fucking love and support and the financial support that you need to help yourself with um, counseling. Just counseling, let alone living. You know what I mean? I need to, I need to be counseled. I need somebody to help me with, with the psychological torture I've dealt with that yeah. that, that I can't escape. And, and, and where is that? Yeah, it's, it? you know, what I mean? it's, like, 
it's crazy. It's funny that they recognize PTSD, but they don't really do anything for it. You know, right. they, they, they finally said, oh, yeah, this is a thing, but it's not, it's not anything we can help you with. And right. That, that, that's tough. My, my uh, son's best friend was a Marine, and he, was, uh, he spent some time in, uh, I think it was Afghanistan. And, uh, you know, it's funny. He came home, and he said, you know, I, I did all this stuff for the Marines, and he re-upped once, I believe. And uh, so I think he was in for four years. And uh, he came back, and he said, you know, I learned all this stuff, but I learned how to kill people. And keep from getting killed that's all i know so the only thing i can do is really be a police officer you know so so he did that he did that for a while and he's finally decided yeah i'm just gonna go to college and so he's using that gi bill for college no good for him and you know at the end of the day you heard what he said he said that all he knew all he knew how to do was kill people and you know and 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 so he thought he'd become a police officer and then that's a sad thing because at the end of the day being a police officer is a lot more than shooting a gun. You need to sit there. You need to have social skills. And if you don't yeah. have social skills, you're not going to do well on the street as a police officer. Yeah. You won't know how to defuse situations. You don't, you only know how to be aggressive. Yeah. And, and it takes a lot more than aggression to be a police officer. Yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? You know, I'm in the state of Michigan to become a, in Ann Arbor, Michigan, to become a police officer, you need two years of sensitivity training, like at a local, some local place. You got to, like, take the special testing and great so much. You have to know how to communicate with people and be sensitive and all this extra shit. So yeah, there's a lot involved in being a police That's- officer. You know, it's just, just, whoa. And it's sad that even to this day though, even with all those things that I imagine Ann Arbor is the only place um, that people that still killing people. Like geez, <laughs> you have the gun. You <laughs> are armed. You good. You ain't got to shoot nobody bro, right. until you're shot at. In yeah. Bar, right. Yeah. No doubt. Oh, yeah. Fuck, dude. Oh. Yeah. It's it's that's the country's terrible. in a is in a bad spot and it's not getting any better as far as that's concerned. Hey, I'm quarantined. Oh, for the record, Scott went to the doctor yesterday. Clean bill of health. I lost 21 pounds during the quarantine. I am kicking ass. Holy cow! That's yeah, great. I, that's what I said. I could. I'm. I'm shocked at myself. I thought for sure I put on weight, but I didn't. Well, I know I was starting to put it on, so I'm I'm really watching what I'm eating. But I've got food, and I've got no gym membership because I can't go to the gym. And we've had I'm I'm in Indiana. It's been pretty shitty weather here uh, until this week. It's starting to get nicer, so I haven't been able to get outside. So I I went back to intermittent fasting. It's tough. (laughs) It is. It is yeah. tough. It's tough not eating in the middle of the night. You know, like I sleep at all hours. You know, like yesterday, I fell asleep at six p.m. Woke up at you know two thirty a.m. up till six. You know, mm-hmm. here I am at two thirty a.m. You know, eating rice and beans. You know, with fucking bananas. <laughs> you know, with plain yeah. shit, having a meal. Yeah, you know, at three o'clock in the morning and shit. You know, Mike, <laughs> you're back. Well, you know what, man, I'm in. Uh... One of the most rural places in New York, Lewis County. There's only like nine cases of COVID. Of course, it's like nine people in the <laughs> county, but uh, it's one of those. You know, it's like it's like Lewis, Lewis County, New York, population nine. All right. <laughs> so, oh God, nine, huh? So let's talk about how you guys met. How did you guys hook up? 
Ern, you you know the story better than I do, man. I was I put I put the word out there. I needed a, someone to open up for me doing this uh, fundraiser. So Ern answered the call, and we've been connected ever since, man. Yep. And how how long has that been? Three years. About three years, right, Mike? Yeah, we're starting our third year. You know, we we started the tour January. You know, 2018 was when we started. So yeah, this is going to be our we're starting our third year. And it's been great, man. I mean, it's uh, it's diverse. We tell people all the time that you know we're not politically correct. Yeah. And I don't think people want politically correct at a comedy show, right? So we warn them. We're going to say some things that are going to offend you, but at the end of the day, we love everybody, no matter what race, religion, or gender preference. Mm-hmm. That's right. One thing that really interests me about you guys, I don't know if you're familiar with the the team of Tom Dreesen and Tim Reed. But Tom, Tom says they were the first and only black and white comedy duo, and they started in the 60s, and they did like oh, wow. uh, Chitlin Circuit and stuff like that, and it's funny because they were, you know, breaking down the, the race barriers back then, and uh, the funny thing is we've put a better paint job on it, but things haven't changed a whole lot since then. <laughs> And, and and it's I think it's neat that that you guys can go out there and Mike is Mike is obviously super white like I am and and put putting you guys together I think really makes a good statement and and I appreciate that. What's funny is that you know I'm Puerto Rican and Cuban, so people always look at me as African American first. Which uh-huh. I say if it came to a lynching, they wouldn't check my ID, correct? <laughs> right. But it's funny, Mike and I were at a we're at a hotel, and uh, so we wanted like extra soap or something. So I asked the guy, "Hey, can we get some extra soap?" So he like, "No speaking no English." So I go, "Nosotros necesitamos más jabón." And he looked at me like, "Yeah, we not this one, motherfucker. We need some more soap." <laughs> and shit, Mike looked at me like, "You speak Spanish?" I go, "We've been friends for all these fucking years, and you don't know I'm Hispanic." You know, just like, and it's funny. That I'm friends with people for years and they don't know I'm Hispanic, you know, until I start speaking it and shit. They go, damn. Oh, man. That's oh, yeah. great. He thought he was going to get out of giving us more soap, Scott. Like, go talk to somebody else now, motherfucker. Yeah. I'm no, no English. No, motherfucker. I need some more soap. Can I have that? <laughs> oh, man. That's great. I got to ask. Obviously, it's the big and tall comedy team. I know Big Earn has got to be the big one. I, I got to ask, how tall are you, Mike? I'm I'm six two, so I'm, I'm not astronomically tall. Okay, I'm like but I'm only tall. five six. But, uh, yeah. That makes that motherfucker astronomically tall. Yeah. <laughs> but, so, I mean, you know, I I look at pictures. I take I take pictures in in Niagara Falls with uh, my cousins and Earn, and he was about the size of them. I look like. I look like freaking Gulliver, you know. <laughs> I look like freaking Gulliver from Gulliver's Travels, man. It's like what these guys are like little Lilliputians or something. What what the freak's going on, man? Uh, I'm pretty I'm pretty tall, you know, compared to compared to normal people. My mom was like my mom was four eleven on a good day. Okay? Oh wow! My dad five 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 six on a good day. People are like, where'd you get your height? I'm like, well, the insurance guy. The milkman, the postman, we're all tall. I'm not sure. Take your pick. Oh, no doubt. <laughs> I'm I'm 6'5", but, like, everybody in my family was tall on both sides. So, you know, there was that was going to happen no matter what for me. I guess in Hispanic yeah, yeah, yeah. 
balance yeah, out. My mother was five foot. My father was six four. <laughs> so I don't know what the fuck. <laughs> my brother's five eight. I'm five six. Yeah, I don't know what the fuck happened, bro. Yeah. <laughs> so one of the things when I'm talking to when I'm talking to comics is the one of the biggest pains in the ass for them is working with other comics because they you got the 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 headliner that either is late or doesn't show at all or you got the feature guy that is late or doesn't show at all they don't like each other but they have to work for a few weeks there has got to be some sort of a a chemistry between you two that not only are you good on stage but you guys got to get along off stage as well right absolutely we do man we get along we get along very well i mean you know we're we're older comics too it's i say older old okay but you know there's a, there's a maturity level to us and certainly we've grown as as uh as the longer we've known each other we, we know each other pretty well mm-hmm. and uh, you know likes dislikes like that and and so you know listen man any type of uh, friendship things like that it's always a, it's always a give and take all right you don't want you don't want to always be taken from somebody. You don't always be given be given to somebody either. So you know we, we have a great friendship. And you know, listen, Ernst had friends. He still has friends that he's been friends with since since school. Okay, and they still they still talk. They still hang out. He's had friends for thirty. I've had friends for thirty years as well. And so you value those friendships because you don't have a lot of those. You got right. people who you have you're really good friends with. You got people who other. They're kind of sore friends, more acquaintances. But when you have those friendships, man, when you, you know, when you click with somebody, you know it and you want to, you want to just, you want to nurture that. You don't, you don't want to, we try to like, just not, we're cool, man. We're cool with each other. And uh, if something, we've had little tips here and there, but we've worked those out, man. Communication is mm-hmm. key. Cause I don't bite my tongue. I'll tell you like it is. And same way with him. I don't expect you. Listen, if there's something I did and it fucking put you off, you have to fucking tell me. If not, I'm going to do it again. Hmm. You know what I mean? So we have to let right. each other know what's what. And then, god damn it. And then, I don't know if you can still hear me, Scott and Mike. Yeah, keep talking. You're good. Yeah. Yeah. So, but like, there's no diva. Like, Mike's the headliner, but he's not a diva. He's like, Aaron, you got to do 26 minutes exactly if you go over or what? A, hey, there's been shows I've done 45 minutes. You know what I mean? And uh-huh. no big deal. I didn't know all oh, you fucking cut into my time or whatever. Nah, no. Um, only if we go somewhere and they're strict about the time. If yeah. not, we're freelancers. You know, we get people who open for us. You know, oh, you know, three minutes. Nah, why do seven minutes if you do it? You know, if you're kicking ass, you know, I'm going to let you right away. Give me a couple extra minutes. You know what I mean? We don't have to be divas about nothing. Right. Our overall successful show is a win for the audience. And if yep. the audience wins, we win. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yep. And that's the problem people get. I, I don't care. We We did a show where the the opening act or whatever cut into my time and so i cut my act short to make sure that mike got his time you know what i mean it, it goes to show you that mike didn't even know so mm-hmm. after the show he's like oh shit you have to do that but it isn't because mike said hey you cut it to my fucking time no 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 it was a consideration on my behalf and that's what you do as a human being all um, right this is we're human beings who are just doing work at the same time but at the end of the yeah. day we're fucking human beings yeah. You know what I'm saying? Oh yeah. Sucks having owning a couple of telephones. Right. <laughs> I think it's great that Ern talked about um make, making the audience happy because because I I get two different 
two different perspectives from comics, and one of them is it's the comic against the audience. The audience needs to get into their court and laugh on their terms, and or it's the it's the comedian that is serving the audience and getting them to come on their side by laughing. And it's funny, I hear two different things, and I think the comics that are feel like they're serving the audience tend to be uh, the better ones, in, in my opinion. We like the audience. We love the people, right, Mike? That's what we do. Yeah. You know, we like to pull them in. We like to pull them in when there's an opportunity. But most of the time, like, people are just sit up front because they're afraid we're going to pick on them. Like, you know, listen, you know, we have these ground rules, okay? It's like, you know, silence your cell phone. Uh, if you have to go to the bathroom, use the bathroom. We're not going to pick on you much, you know? Yeah. But people are like, I've had women after the show admit to me, like, tell me. That I made them pee a little. It's like, you don't need to tell me that. Why did you why why do you confess that to me? It's it's too much information, you know. I actually yeah. had a guy tell me, check this out. I do I do a song, it's a parody of, of Take It Easy by the Eagles, okay? Uh-huh. And it's called Yeah, you know, Diarrhea. I had a guy tell me after the show that he was laughing so hard because, you know, he's like, Do you ever shit your pants? And I'm like, What? He goes, I shit my pants. I'm like, dude, 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 just stop. Just oh, that's stop, funny. Okay? Don't tell me shit your pants and all that stuff, man. I don't want to hear it. Uh, I don't know why, but people just confess everything to a comic. I, I, I don't know if they feel like they, they want to be uh, part of a bit or what, but people will tell you anything. Or, Scott, oh, don't you love it when they try to tell you something? Yeah. To go, you can use that in your act. Oh, thank you. I have no fucking material. Thank you. <laughs> fucking A, right? Oh, they're the best, dude. <laughs> Those are the best. Dude, you can you can use that one. Oh, thanks. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> thanks for that. Well, I, I have to expect that club owners absolutely love the fact that you guys are already a pre-made feature and headliner, like like just ready to go and they don't have to find a feature act to start the show out we do that on our own we find the feature no. we want one if yeah we, want a feature, we will you know what i mean we yeah. do that yep we, we don't because yep. it's our tour you're not allowed to dictate who you put on our show just because you hired us no mm-hmm. if we don't approve <laughs> you don't go uh-huh. that's the real and me and mike this is right. our tour yeah ours so yeah. you don't go because you own the venue go hey mm-hmm. You need to put this guy on, man. They don't fucking hire us. Yeah, you know, you know what I mean. That's the cool thing about it. We're not, and we don't try to be jerks. We just try to be realistic about what you find funny is or what we find funny. So yeah. let's find our own guy to compliment what we're working with. Right. Yeah. You know I mean? And you guys have been doing it long enough. You probably know people in most of the areas you go that are are ready and willing. There's a few good comics we've worked with that we would love to work with again, and there's a few that I'm okay forgetting. Yeah. <laughs> nothing, 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 yeah. Nothing personal. They just weren't conducive to what we had going on. You, I don't like doing a show where it's slow for the first 15 minutes, and here I am, got to bring you back from the dead, literally. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. you know, but, but it's cool, though. I'll do it. But if you're a pretty decent guy and I'm giving you seven to ten minutes, knock it the fuck out the park. That's like 
you know what I mean? Like you're opening for Kevin Hart. This is your this is your moment. Yeah. You're opening for fucking George Carlin. This is it. This is yeah. your time. You know uh-huh. what I mean? You know what I mean? If, if, <laughs> if you want us to pass the word along, because people will ask you, oh, what about this guy? I'm like, oh, oh. And they go, well, thank you. You know what I mean? So it's important because people are gonna want to people will ask about you, you know, like, oh, you worked with this guy. What do you think of him? It'd be like, mm-hmm. well, you know what I mean? So you have to give us something to have to give. You know what I mean? It has to be desired. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's all. Hey, I, I, I thought, you know, you opening for the Big and Tall Comedy Tour was a privilege in a sense. You know what I mean? You know, you get 10 minutes off the top, off a packed house at most places. Yeah. You know what I mean? You know, you get yeah. 78 people. Some of these comics haven't even performed in front of seven or eight people. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Let alone 178 people on what? what? What was that, a Saturday night, Mike? We were in Mount Union? Or was that a Friday night? Thursday? I don't know. Mm-hmm. We did, we picked up the gig in the last like two weeks, Scott, and it sold that many tickets and then wow. people away from the door, literally. Mm-hmm. People coming to the door still. They go, look, that's great yeah that's the best (laughs) so thinking about some of the places you've worked at without naming names uh what are some of the best well you you, of course you can name the best ones but what are some of the best and the worst places you guys have worked at and tell me a little bit about what made the worst ones worse the only thing that makes the worst ones worse it isn't the venue it's people what's alcohol is a motherfucker right mike (laughs) Uh, right? Oh, yeah. What, oh, God, there was one show. It only yeah, took we, three um, women to ruin it. I'll tell you, you, you know, anytime you, anytime you get a room full of prudes, it's, gonna, it's not, it's not going to be a good show. You know, like, I've had people say to us many times, we, our show is like geared towards college kids, which is great, man, because I'm starting to book, you know, starting to talk to colleges now. You know, we had a big article come up in the Ohio State newspaper, The Lantern. We're out on this doing a, a show for the veterans. By the way, we do a lot of shows to raise money for vets, which is great. We do a lot of VFW. We do a lot of American Legion shows because those are for, those are heroes. They're forgotten, and we love raising money for them. Mm. But you know, so every one of our shows, like we did a show in Ann Arbor when we were on this the Midwest tour in in March. That show was awesome, and we always try to make uh, that show better can we better that show can we better that show can we better that show we're always working it to make the next show a better show than last time but you know we've had some great shows did a show i'm not gonna mention any names but we did a show that we're kind of like the last minute you know like assertion into this into this event okay and really comedians struggle when they have events like an award ceremony or something like that because they're not really People aren't there for that. They're there to have dinner. They're mm. there to, uh, to get awards, and they want to go home. They don't want a comedy show afterwards, right? And right. There's a room full of prudes, and our stuff did not go well. You know? <laughs> <laughs> and so we're like, well, since this is a show not going bad, let's dial up the dirty, you know? Yeah. <laughs> oh, 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 God. Since, you know, since it's already bad, let's just make it, let's just make it Let's make it more uncomfortable. Let's make it really, really. You really expected it from me, Scott. Yeah. All of a sudden, this so. motherfucker. I don't know who he was. He got possessed. He was so <laughs> blue. Like what the fuck? <laughs> he let them have so. it. He was memory. They're gonna remember that motherfucker that night. That 
No, and listen, it was a hundred year anniversary of I let him, I let him And I swear to God, a couple of the women there must have been there with the first fucking open. They were old. <laughs> Shit. I was like, dang. Oh, I was like, who the fuck? Did? I was like, who made your dress? Yeah. Betsy Ross, bitch? Like, but you lost me, Joe. Yeah, it was, it was, it was pretty bad. bad, That's one thing that about comics is if, uh, if, if it's going to be bad and awkward, we, we all love to make it worse because we know where it's going to go anyway. Yes. If they're not going to laugh, by God, they're going to remember us. <laughs> hey, it's no. it's just, make, with. just make it, just turn up the awkward, man. Just dive yep. right up, man. Joey Tepidino, he's out oh, of Scranton. Funny, man. I'm like, I don't I'm know, he might, he might have moved my mouth. We had this comedian, it was an open mic. She brought her mother to the open uh, mic. So when you saw this woman, she comes yeah. in wearing a fucking fur coat. She had one of those little pom-pom things to put your hands. You can tell. She did not belong there at all. Yeah. So, you know, she signed up for whatever, right? So Joey gets on stage. And Joey, we already know who he is. So Joey looks over at us. He gives us the wink. Mm-hmm. All right. What's the first words out of his mouth? He's like, so the other night I'm eating my wife's pussy. <laughs> oh, she smashed her purse. Oh, the gone. Yeah. Out the door, bro. <laughs> but, but I knew that she was a prude. I knew uh-huh. it. I'm like, why did you bring your mother here? No what? doubt. Did you think? Like, Were they expecting Ed Sullivan or what? Like, like no, but I think, what does she think? Like, because you brought your mother, we were going to scale it back? Nah, don't bring <laughs> nobody's fucking parents here. It's on. Oh, if, if I would have brought my mother there, I'd expect you to be at your worst. Yeah. This yep. is who you hang out with? Yeah, mom. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but the minute he said this, the other night I'm eating my wife's pussy, we lost it. No, we already knew. That's crazy. It was like the great oh. Bond commercial. She was like, oh, grabbed her shit. It was gone. Yeah. <laughs> Mike was talking to me earlier about some pay-per-view stuff you guys got going on. Can you elaborate on that? That's go ahead, Mike. That's you. Yeah. So, you know, obviously with this COVID-19, you got to, you have to uh, think outside the box. Right. So, you know, we had every show. When shows start to cancel one after the other, you're refunding people's money. It's 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 tough, man. It's really a tough thing to go through. And I've been wanting to do pay-per-view for a while. Since I had my comedy club back in like 2012, we wanted to do live stream and pay-per-view. And so there's a few different services out there. And we, we found a couple of them that we're experimenting with. But we're doing a show for... For the Watertown Zoo, we had a show scheduled for April 2nd. Obviously, it was canceled. And it's tough because that one is like in an auditorium, 920 seats. And, you know, when we do fundraisers, they take a portion of the door. We take a portion of the door. We, we lost a lot of now. And so did they. So did the zoo. Mm. So we're doing one June 19th. And it looks like as of right now, we're going with viewstub.com. And you can uh, the link, just viewstub.com forward slash watertown zoo you buy a ticket is 20 bucks plus a nominal fee you know you're not buying multiple tickets you're you're watching it from the comfort of your own home to worry about a babysitter or going out for dinner and drinks and all that kind of stuff like you normally do and mm. important a great a couple of great causes one is town zoo in watertown new york and you know the tour 
And, uh, you know, it helps us because we're raising money for veterans across the country. And believe me, expenses, hotels, food, gas, our tolls, that, that is no joke, man. When I say we got expenses, we got expenses. So, you know, that helps us get out there to more and more venues, BFWs, American Legions. Yeah, so, again, viewstub.com forward slash Watertown Zoo. And you can watch it anywhere in the world. I've got connections now in India. I'm going to get the word out to people in India. They want us to come over there and tour. And people are like, I told them today, people are like, you mean like, is India New York or India, Indiana? No, no, no. We're talking the country of India. Yeah. So, and I always thought, I always thought if we go international, probably the first country we're going to go to would be Canada. That would be a natural progression, right? But yeah. I'm, I'm looking at uh, booking about those in India, which Kern will pay well over there in India because he's, you know, he's got that complexion. Uh, <laughs> I do, I do. I get that butter pecan tan, baby. So paper, you know the, uh, you the know, funny I, thing I, is, is I, I want to add pay per view to every one of our shows too. Yeah, that's great. The the funny thing is, is I know some some comics uh, from India that that are. Uh, performing in India now and those audiences absolutely love it when somebody comes from the United States and performs. Yeah, they they just they totally eat it up. So you guys will do very well there. Glad to hear it. Well I think uh did a I did a couple of podcasts with some podcasters in it was great man. Great people over there. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, you, you guys will do great. One of the things I like to ask all the people that I interview and just pretend I'm like I'm asking both of you at the same time, what three things do you know now that you wish you would have known when you were starting out in comedy? You could go first, Mike. That's a, that's a great question. I mean, uh, I wish I, I think when I knew it, I wish I would have had a little bit more knowledge of comedy, you know, about comedy in general. I kind of like was one of those fly by the seat of your pants type of thing. And just, you know, you learn as you go, mm-hmm. but uh, you know, I, I never studied it. Like some people might read a book or watch videos or whatever, but you know, just to get some helpful advice for people who want to break into the comedy. I, I had a, a guy on my show, like a lot of guys on my show from old show called make me laugh. There was like, you know, Steve oh, yeah. Blue Stein also was on my show. Bruce Baum, who was, mm-hmm. he was a good friend of Dave Poulier's and you know, Bluestein was like, Mike, I'm gonna the key to comedy. This is before I broke into the game. He's like, the key to comedy is timing. You know, mm. timing, timing is everything. And so, yeah, you want to be a good writer and stuff like that. But, you know, some really great guys like Roger, who was does the ultimate Robin Williams tribute experience. He looks and sounds just like Robin Williams. If you look up Roger Cabler and Roger mm. gave me some helpful advice when I was on tour with him about just finding the funny, finding the funny in your in your bit you know in the in the premise and the setup and the punchline you know if it doesn't make you laugh out loud it's probably not funny and so mm-hmm. all these little helpful little tidbits i've learned like I, if i knew those way back when because you know when i first started out i wasn't you know i was okay i was all right and, and i was headlining gigs but you know if if i would have known back then what i know now i'd be so much farther ahead now mm-hmm. if that makes sense Yep. Yeah. For me, um, for me, it was learning not to. Um, to me, that's just why I didn't trust so many people at the beginning. I never realized how many people sit there and they smile in your face in comedy and act like they 
they actually got love for you when they're actually tearing you down behind your back, being you know stepping on your 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 entire integrity to mm. get ahead for their own selves. You know what I mean? One of the things I noticed is there's a lot of women. Low, you know I me, mean? not a lot, but there's, 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 I know a couple of women in comedy now who really aren't funny, but those comics and these promoters will tell them they are for the attraction mm-hmm. you know, of sleeping with someone. Fuck out of here. All the pussy in the world that you want this unattractive, non funny bitch, please. <laughs> you know I mean? That's what happens when you hang around somebody too long. Somehow, yeah. something. You know what I mean? Like, so it's just the dishonesty. I never realized the dishonesty and the dramedy in comedy. Mm. You know what I'm saying? There's, yep. there's a lot of haters. They're not yep. like that. You know yep. what I mean? So, but but it is what it is. Um, at the end of the day, if you can have a thick skin, like I have thick skin, Mike's got thick skin. I can care less what you have, man, to say about me. At the end of the day, if you are exercising your free time talking shit about me, then you ain't got better shit to do in your fucking life, my man. Yeah. <laughs> about Big Earn's fat ass. <laughs> you ain't got better shit going on then. I'm good. <laughs> But the dishonesty and the disloyalty is the one biggest thing that I, I would have learned not to put my trust in certain individuals. Not that they really destroyed anything. It's just the whole fact. I just hate the dishonesty in anyone. Um, it really would ruin anything we have in the future. Yeah. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. that's my problem. So, but but yeah. I, learned, I learned a good lesson. You know what I mean? Me and Mike, we got this. You know what I mean? We're going to be a good duo for a long time. We got a lot of good things coming up. Remember, I told you he and I've been working on the mashup and things mm. like that. We're gonna really, we're gonna kick ass, man. The yeah. Bigger Talk Comedy Tour is gonna be stronger yeah. than ever after this COVID. It's over. The Corona better watch it. Big Talk <laughs> coming through, baby. She, <laughs> you know, that's, that's great. If people want to um, find you on uh, the World Wide Web, what's the best place for them to go? Sadly, for right now, for Big Earn, it's Facebook. But if you go to Big Earn's page, Big Earn's got Big Earn COVID masks on sale right now with shipping. Holla I saw those. You like that, Scott? <laughs> yeah. Hey, brother, you holler at me. I only got a limited number. I think I only got 25 coming. Uh, I only got like a limited number. I'm letting people. I got a couple of pre-orders already. You want a Big Earn COVID mask? You holler. You got a Big Earn's page, Big Earn's, Big Earn's, um, Big Earn's Roundtable of Comedy. Yeah. Okay. Excellent. You know I mean? Big and tall comedy page with me and my man Mike Biggity Bove. <laughs> and I'll, I'll put links up for your for your pay per view too. And uh, both of you guys are going to be on the talk show tomorrow night, so it's going to be uh, New York versus Chicago. Yeah. Two Chicago guys and two New York guys. So this will be nice. fun. Nice. Yeah. Well, I really appreciate both of you guys being on the podcast. It was uh, really nice getting to know you and. Now I've had everybody on the podcast that's going to be on the show tomorrow night, so I know y'all a little bit, so that, that always helps. Fantastic.